Okay, uh, welcome back to Dialogues on Applied Channel Theory. I'm Jason Robertson, and I'm here today with Nisa Tang, who's in New York City, taking a break from seeing patients middle of the day. And thank you so much, Nisa, for being here. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Like, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, my uh, not only my colleague and, and co, uh, you know, long-term student with Wang Jui, apprentice with Wang Jui, but also a good friend, Nisa Tang. We've had so many uh, great times together. Uh, studying with Dr. Wong, being in Beijing, and so uh, we, I think, are going to just begin at the beginning of, of where we met. So, uh, Nisa, um, welcome again, and recount to me the first time we met each other, because it's an interesting kind of circuitous route that got us to Dr. Wong. Yeah, I, yeah we've known each other, I think it's like 20 years, Jason. It's over, yeah, Mark it's over 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was in my first year of acupuncture school and visiting a good college friend in Louisville, Kentucky. And I was there and she was like, oh, you're studying acupuncture. My sister's high school friend just moved back from California and is treating patients here in Louisville. Do you want to go see him? I was like, I guess so. I don't, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and so we drove, were you, I forget where your office was, but you were treating your cousin or uncle it was my uncle my mom's brother yes uh -huh. had a head uh -huh. injury yeah yeah um, and it was in downtown louisville and what was called old louisville it was like a 200 year old house and i was in the the back parlor downstairs a room that uh -huh. later turned out to have ghosts oh really yeah how did you come across those a couple of patients who were very sensitive reported the exact same thing seeing a person in the corner of the room uh it didn't, it wasn't, I don't think it was detrimental to my results, but uh, those people preferred not to be in that particular room uh -huh. after that. But anyway, so you oh, met wow. me in that, that old house, right? <laughs> I met you in a haunted house. <laughs> yeah, I met me in a haunted house. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember you asking me where I was going to school, and I said, you know, I'm going to PCOM in New York, and you're, you said you had a teacher named Yafim in California who was about to move to New York. And you said, um, yeah, that guy's super interesting. You should take a class with him whenever you get a chance. And um, this was before I had reconnected with Dr. Wong, by the way. I mean, I'd met Dr. Wong for a, mm -hmm. a long weekend course in California at that point, but I hadn't begun any really serious study with Dr. Wong. It was just, you know, Yafim was my first point location teacher, and he's a running thread through this whole group as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so yeah, so I just said, look up this cat, Yafim. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess this was 2000. And that's right. So you had gone to study with Dr. Wong, like in the late 90s, right? I, Dr. Wong had come to California, where I was studying at the American College of Traditional Chinese Medicine in San Francisco. And he had lived for a year down in Santa Cruz. And one of my teachers told me I needed to go down and study with this guy from Beijing. And a group of friends and I went down there for for a, very, uh, for a long weekend. It was like a three-day course or something like that. And that, that was it. And then I just kept him in mind. But I certainly had not begun any rigorous study at that point with Dr. Wong. It was more just noticing that Yafim was going to be there. So, yeah, you, that was just – it was a great meeting, uh, but mm -hmm. a very short one. And then I didn't see you for a long time. Um, yeah, so I think it was three years later. Um, I finally did take a class with Yafim. Uh, so I guess this was about 2000. 2003 is that when you started doing the trips yeah 2003 probably would have been one of the first trips that uh, the Yafim mm -hmm. and I organized to, with students to study with Dr. Wong that's right and that's, that's right. where I met so you that, you came mm -hmm. to Beijing 
yeah, so I went on the second trip and um, uh, yeah, that's when Dr. Wong was like with us every single day and we were at the bamboo garden and um, and yeah, I just remember, you know, for me, it was like, you know, within like a half hour of his first lecture talking about channel physiology. Um, and Which was the focus of those lectures. That was where we were really going through Taiyin, Xiaoyin, yes. Juyin, one at a time for a whole day on one subject. So yeah, that was mm -hmm. a... And those, I still have those recordings of those lectures, which were absolutely the heart of so much of the material in the book he and I worked on. So you were there, right there at that inception of that material. Yeah. And so, yeah, I want to hear more about your experience, because by that point, you had been living in Beijing for a year with him. Yeah. But I feel like that, that particular trip was so exciting, because um, I think both of you were really working on the material leading into the book. And so we, I just felt like it was such a meaty series of lectures over two weeks, you know? Well, yeah, and Dr. Wong had just, you know, these, these BG button, those little notebooks. Remember yeah. the one that just said BG yeah. button on the front? said yeah. notebook <laughs> on the front. Yeah. <laughs> and he had those notebooks, and he uh, would bring them to the clinic when I was working there in Beijing, and he was kind of semi-retired, didn't have a lot of patients. So what he was doing was giving lectures, and me just being – kind of tenacious and, and maybe even a little mm -hmm. aggressive in my questioning. I was just always asking questions and recording the lectures and coming back mm -hmm. to it. And I think just that dialogue we'd been having over that year, of course, all the material was already in his brain and already in his experience, but he, mm -hmm. I think, was really getting interested in trying. I think he found that it was all clicking in his head in a way mm -hmm. where he it was all coming together for him. Not that it, you know, I don't get any credit for this except for maybe you know, just putting people in front of him to motivate him to have to perform. And I think mm -hmm. John and I were talking about this. Just imagine teaching for like, you know, eight hours every day or five days a mm -hmm. week for two weeks. And then, you know, so that pressure, I think, was helpful. So it was the, exactly what you're saying. It was the it was that shift between I, you know, when I was first coming to study with Dr. Wong, you know, so many of us, we go maybe to China, we go study with experienced teachers, we go to a weekend seminar, whatever it is, and we want to get secrets. We want to get like, oh, what is that point pair they use for this problem or with this or that secret point pair? And it was in that time period that you were kind of, a, a, you know, a witness to where it was moving way beyond. These are the point pairs I like. This is the, you know, these are the points I use for X disease. And instead mm -hmm. fleshing out this physiological system, which is really, you know, his conception of physiology is really where the, where the meat is in the material. And mm -hmm. so, that's, that's, I guess, what you're asking is like, that was that, for me, it was that shift from, I don't just look for points for things. I'm trying to get into his head for a way of seeing, a way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, um, that's what you were feeling too, I guess, in those lectures you were saying. So how did that contrast, by the way, when you were there for those lectures and you'd been coming, like many people listening probably from just like a TCM or just basic Chinese medicine program, and then you go to Beijing and hear these lectures on what Dr. Wang was calling Liu Jing Qi Hua, six channel tree mm -hmm. qi transformation or physiology. How did that, how, how much background did you have or was it totally new or how did you integrate that? Um, yeah, honestly, like, you know, at that stage, I was uh, at the beginning of my last year at PCOM. And, you know, I think I was really disillusioned at that point with, you know, TCM because you know, what brought me to the medicine was like my own experience as a patient and really attracted to the holistic nature of the medicine. But I felt like that wasn't the way I was being taught. Um, 
you know, like, you know, points were taught in a way that were, it was like sort of like divorced from the channels. Um, and exactly. so, yeah. right, like I had a couple teachers. So Yafim being one of them, he taught points four at the school. Um, and he really did emphasize the channels. And then later on, you know, in his uh, sports medicine class, same thing, like really focusing on the channels and the connections of the channels. Um, and and then more, what a, does that mean? Yeah, like explain more with that, like that, what is the difference between that and the points? Like, how do you, how do you describe mm -hmm. that to yourself or other students you teach? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one is that, you know, these points aren't just isolated, uh, like locations on the body, but that, you know, their function and their physiology is linked to this larger system, right? Mm -hmm. And so without understanding um, where those connections are and what the f physiology is of the entire system, then the point doesn't really, um, you know, you can't really use them in an isolated way. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, and also I mean, that's what the beauty of the medicine too is, is that it's all connected. And so to really um, see the bigger picture, you know, you know, to, um, appreciate the holistic nature of the medicine versus like just coming up with point recipes or prescriptions um, that again, like it divorces it from like the bigger picture. Well, and I think sense? that, that oh, How about you? Yeah. It, well, it, it totally makes sense to me. And, and I mean, I often struggle with, I mean, I think sometimes when we teach Dr. Wong's material, we mm -hmm. maybe almost, and this is a real, this is, was one of Dr. Wong's strengths. And it's, it, it's a, something that I always try to remind myself of, because I think it's a weakness is sometimes we assume that people are with us more like we need to sometimes be able to take people who have no idea what we're talking about when we talk about mm -hmm. the difference between channels and points kind of idea mm -hmm. and bring them mm -hmm. through the door with this. And so, I'm, I mean, I, the reason I asked you this is because I could hear myself probably saying exactly what you just said and assuming everyone knew what I meant. And I realized, wait a minute, like, mm -hmm. and I think in some ways it's like a lot of modern acupuncture education is, mm -hmm. is about like lists of points for certain diseases or protocols for conditions or research on which points do which. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and I guess what maybe what really inspired me about studying with Dr. Wong before I even really knew that it was much more clinically effective as well was the description of the systems he was describing made it way more interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you actually had yeah. innovation in, in yeah. the clinic instead of blindly putting things down, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly like, I mean, even just on a more sort of like nerdy level, like, you know, like I find it just way more interesting to think about my patients this way, right. To really be a detective and figure out, you know, like, um, you know, I want to use as few points as possible to have the biggest change. And, you know, all of that is like my challenge every day in the clinic versus um, actually around the same time that I met Dr. Wong, I was, um, I was like an office assistant for another teacher at the school. Um, and, you know, the style of her treatments was like, she would, you know, like get the main complaint and let's say it was migraines. And so she had sort of like, um, a list of points, you know, like these are all the points that are available to you for migraines. And then she would just kind of pick and choose that way. Um, you mean and I she guess, had like, that I'm kind of list in her head in a way, or she would actually write it down? Or It was written in a book that was oh, like okay. her sort of recipe book. You mean book, literally? And then she okay. would, yeah, and then she would, you know, like 
basically just sort of have these protocols, like preset protocols. Um, and I guess, you know, like, I guess I've, you know, I, I know when I've taught class, like I've also compared using applied channel theory to playing jazz, where mm-hmm. like you have to learn the theory, right? Like you have to learn all the theory behind um, channel physiology, you know, like the chi transformation. And then once you understand that, then you can use the points to improvise. Right. But without the theory, without the sort of like bigger foundation, then you're just throwing a bunch of notes, you know, like into a pot and it doesn't, it, it's not music. Does that make yeah. sense? Hey, of course it makes sense. Yeah. And that's a great yeah. metaphor. And it also, uh, again, it makes it more fun to practice. And, yeah. and somehow this is the way towards two things, being able to do treatments where you use fewer needles and hopefully also being able to get these kind of faster results that happen when we nail it right on the good days, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. are you know more and more the more you do it. And especially with basic complaints, you do get better at that as you start to see the patterns. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So that brings up an interesting question then. Compare, let's, let's just go through a little mind game here, like comparing the kind of thought process that that, that um, teacher of yours was using towards acupuncture with what Dr. Wong was doing. Like, you know, so this might be an opportunity for listeners also to think about this, you know, idea of you were, you were basically trying to base your acupuncture on a complaint instead of a pattern. Mm-hmm. Is that true or am I off on that? Yeah, I feel like that was the tendency in school, right? So, like, even in the school clinic as an intern, uh, you know, your supervisor would say, like, okay, what's the chief complaint? And, you know, it was like, oh, it's dysmenorrhea. And it's like, okay, what are the points for that? Right. And, you know, like, it was just skipping over sort of like, okay, like, what is – and maybe you would even say a diagnosis, like, oh, I think there's blood stasis. But you're still skipping over the channel diagnosis, like picking a channel to treat and then choosing points. Um, so a very I feel like important what, thing to think about, yeah, to slow yeah. down and talk about, right. Mm-hmm. And I, um, Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Keep going. Well, this touches on something I, we were just talking about right before recording was, that, you know, like, uh, for example, like from TCM school, you know, when you sh- had signs of chi stagnation, you know, I felt like the tendency was then to jump to automatically assuming it's like a liver cheese stagnation. And then you would sort of then be choosing between liver points, maybe some gallbladder points to, to treat this quote unquote liver cheese stagnation. Kind of jumping and between a zong fu diagnosis and acupuncture was like that. How do you make that leap? Yes. Yes. Um, and I guess with a fuller picture of channel physiology, like, uh, you know, like through palpation or even just thinking about the body in a different way, it's like, oh, chi stagnation can be really from any of the six channels. Right. Um, and so it takes a much more sort of like nuanced um, uh, understanding of physiology to really get to the source of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, t- how about you? Well, I mean, it also, I, I'm just, again, as we're talking here, I'm thinking, about a um, 
I know that, you know, you've done a little bit of study with Sharon Weizenbaum there in New York, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was hearing a, a discussion with her. And what we're saying is, and I, I've been thinking about this just in the last few weeks as I've been walking around here during coronavirus time and taking strolls in my neighborhood and listening to some of these lectures online when Sharon Weizenbaum was doing a lecture on the, on the Geological podcast. And she was mm-hmm. talking about the difficulty, as she phrased it, between going between five and six, between... Zhangfu diagnosis and then thinking within channels. Of course, she was specifically talking about Shang Han Lun theory and herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it is this, it, it, and I'm still struggling as a, as a teacher to explain, to get my head around how to explain this to students, is how do we link what Dr. Wong is calling six-channel chi transformation diagnosis, like figuring out the channel where the problem is, to mm-hmm. what people learn in school when you first started studying with Dr. Wang, again, going back to those lectures there at the Bamboo Garden in Beijing, where we'd studied Zhangfu diagnosis. Like you start with liver cheese stagnation, and when you're a student, you've got this, you really know that Zhangfu diagnosis, spleen yang deficiency, you know, damp heat in the liver, all these things you have in your head, and then you encounter mm-hmm. this material, and then there's this disconnect, and in a way, it is going between the five song thinking to the six channel thinking. How, how do you, you know, how do you teach this and how do you make sure people are making that leap? <laughs> I, I don't know if this is a big question to throw out at you right now. Sorry. Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> I know. Um, gosh, and I'm not teaching as much as you are. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you. Well, I guess another yeah, way. How, how are you? Uh-huh. In your mind. I mean, just digging into your head. Like, that's again, I'm trying to imagine you in those lectures with Dr. Wong in 2002 right. sitting there as he was beginning to form the. I mean, he, of course, was very exposed to the, you know, Dongfu is, of course, still at the heart of Chinese medicine. But sure. then what is the difference between Dongfu diagnosis and six-channel diagnosis? This is a question we may not answer in this, you know, dialogue here today, but mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it. Like, is it fundamentally different or is it just, or is it just subsumed within the six channels? Yeah, I don't think of it as different, I don't think. I think, it, in fact, it helps me simplify my understanding of Dongfu. Um, because, especially because, you know, like with applied channel theory, it's also so rooted in the patient's body. So one, you're identifying the, you know, which of the six channels is affected, but that actually helps me, uh, better understand which, you know, the Zhangfu theory too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, I think it's, you know, just part and parcel. And I think, I guess, I don't know, for me, it simplifies things because then even in terms of thinking about herbs and formulas, like I'm still kind of like rooting it in this, the six levels um, and understanding what I'm trying to do through that. If that, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so th- that's I kind mean, of a big question, but I, I find that everything within this applied channel theory actually helps my understanding and makes it simpler. Um, the Zongfu, the Zongfu material from like the Machiocha textbook or something is clarified, you're saying, in a way. Is that what mm-hmm. you mean by that? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and do you still, like in your, like you just were seeing patients, you know, a few hours ago. Do you mm-hmm. still then like have it pop in your head, spleen yang deficiency, you know, kidney indeficiency? Like the, the terminology oh, yeah. of Zongfu diagnosis is still in your head every day, right? Uh, yeah, sure. It's still there. Um, and that's what I mean. I think some people maybe think we don't do that as well. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to flesh this out. Like, I, I agree. I'm the same way. I do too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah, trying um, to explain this to people is the thing. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I think maybe if anything, it's, you know, like with a fuller picture of channel physiology, um, like, you know me, I, I really like this idea of stories. <laughs> um, I think John and I talked about this in an earlier episode. Um, but, you know, so like, yes, like, uh, in fact, I have a patient with like spleen yang deficiency, but through understanding channel physiology and through palpation, um, uh, it helps me understand like where that spleen yang deficiency is coming from or what are the sort of um, other factors, right? Like how much kidney involvement is there, right? Mm -hmm. Is the kidney yang super deficient? So that's what's not feeding the spleen yang mm -hmm. or is there more dampness? That's kind of like, you know, like it's like, um, a wet blanket down, over exactly yeah. wet blanket over like a campfire. Right. So, um, the, the diagnosis might be the same, but then because of the understanding of the channels, then, um, I feel like it just gives me a fuller picture of where it's coming from. And so that leads me to, I guess, a clearer idea of like what I want to do with the needles. Yeah, right? that's so, no, that's really clear. That actually clarified that. Yeah, I'm following you now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but, uh, and so then, yeah, mm -hmm. so then there's, so you could have it. So maybe what you're saying then is like you have a diagnosis of like straightforward, what we've learned in school, spleen yang deficiency. Mm -hmm. But then through the palpation, of course, and the asking and the tongue and pulse and other diagnostic mm -hmm. inputs, but by thinking mm -hmm. in and jung in patterns instead of mm -hmm. like just a dongfu fixed diagnosis it, mm -hmm. it it allows you then to like refine spleen yang and have what is the relationship of the liver to the spleen in this patient what is the relationship of the kidney mm -hmm. to the spleen in this mm -hmm. patient or gallbladder and then by using palpation combined with those other diagnostic pieces your spleen yang deficiency actually gets subcategorized into different types of spleen yang deficiency almost would that be right. a way to say it yeah, I think so. I think you really nailed it. Like, yeah, so the, it, right, because like, you know, I think, you know, going back to sort of like, you know, I think the leap from what I was learning in TCM school to really using Dr. Wong's applied channel theory is like, you know, in school, I would learn like, okay, like I came to a spleen yang deficiency diagnosis. So then in your head, you're automatically like, oh, I'm going to use spleen three and right there are sort of these right. points that they would jump to um and in the particular case i'm thinking of this patient i see her later today so we'll see how she responded but yeah. you know it's like a spleen yang deficiency but you know some i've actually been treating the yang name based mm. on palpation and kind and of so, that wet blanket there's like an excess in the yang squishing down the, the yin channel yang function in a way exactly exactly um yeah and uh yeah, so that's where like and you um, wouldn't have then, come to that without like the palpation and the other and the kind of channel based thinking. You might have just kept yeah. hitting that wall of tonifying because it really seemed like the right thing to do. And then what, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or you would have done and too many things mm -hmm. at once. Right, right. Like throwing the uh, what's that analogy? Like a shotgun versus a dartboard. Ah, right, like okay. a shotgun has like a bunch of um, uh, what's the extra stuff when you shoot a shotgun? Uh, the pellets. <laughs> The shot. Yeah, you know how like it's actually the, yeah, shot. the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like all the so you aim for something, but there's also all these other pellets, and so you're sort of like throwing a whole bunch of stuff at the target yeah. versus a dart where you're just like being a little bit more precise. Um, 
But, yeah, uh, and so you may have talked mm-hmm. about, did you talk about this case in detail with, on the podcast with Jonathan already? Oh, yeah, I might have mentioned this case as well. I've been training okay. her for a few weeks now. Well, it's kind of good um, for whoever might be a regular listener out there to watch Nisa's evolution <laughs> of thinking on this case happen in real time right. over multiple dialogues. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I know. I, and it's a we have to come back to this case. case. Right, exactly. There's, like, there's a real mix of deficiency and excess. And, um, and honestly, a few weeks ago, I think coming at it from, I was trying to do too much with the spleen, to try to wake the spleen up. And I realized I had to change to the yang channel to treat the yin before getting to the, the root of the problem. So, and, um, so, and say that again, like, okay, so you're trying to tonify yin too much and you had to switch to the yang channel to get all the mm-hmm. stuff out of the way so that the kidney or the spleen could kind of bounce back to life. Is that kind of, is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's kind of like this mix of like a spleen deficiency, yang deficiency, but with dampness. And, so common, yeah, which is right? so yeah. common, right? Yeah. And so in the palpation, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I will use the Hussey points, lung five, spleen nine, one of Dr. Wong's favorites um, to regulate the yang, uh, regulate the, um, yeah, sort of the yang chi of the spleen, right? To uh-huh. get it moving yeah. again. Right. Um, and, you know, like, I feel like it helped a tiny bit, but not enough. Um, you know, there's a lot of like, um, distension, a lot of um, like the bowel movements were very sort of irregular and broken up. And, um, and so after doing that a couple of times, I, you know, and repalpated and I was like, okay, like the dampness is still just really strong. It's like um, moving out and like the stomach 38, 39, 40 area was congested, that kind of feeling in there. Right. Right. Like lots of speed bumps and, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, puppy too. Right. And, um, but uh, so anyways, just switching to the Yang Ming, using the Hussey points on the Yang Ming, um, uh, just to, right, so when it's a little bit more excess, using the Yang to regulate the Yin. Which is, um, of course, a, a great fundamental principle in, you know, Yin and Yang theory. As, I mean, way beyond what anything Dr. Wong has been saying, that is, but he definitely emphasized it, is that idea of when there's a Yin excess, uh, mm-hmm. or the yang channel and this of course is maybe another difference between tangfu and six channel approach is when you say that you're not just saying when there's a spleen excess treat the stomach we're saying when there's mm-hmm. a high yin excess which is spleen and lung top and bottom yeah. then you're treating yang ming which is large intestine and stomach together so that's yeah. that's again this idea of internal external paired channels takes goes one level up to the six channels too so mm-hmm. every yeah every high yin has yang ming and jue yin has xiaoyang and you know, and Xiaoyin has Taiyang. So that, that even that principle is maybe one that was a leap for you in, the, in that first, those first lectures with Dr. Wong too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was no book. We hadn't written a book on it. So this was, that material was just freshly being developed in front of your eyes. So you're just kind mm-hmm. of seeing it there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like how did you do it? Because you were living in Beijing and I know you were treating patients like on the side when you weren't studying with Dr. Wong. So yeah, how did you make the leap then, like as a sort of newish practitioner to really Well, I wasn't this? seeing patients on the side in Beijing. I was just like following Dr. Wong whenever I could, wherever I could, and trying to have lunch mm-hmm. and everything else and go to his house. Um, yeah. <laughs> I uh, just, I mean, I, 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 he took me through the door with it by just pointing out the, what seems to be the obvious fact, probably, even if people listen to this now, that lung and spleen are both tie in, right? I mean, and it's in right. the Edmund textbook, right? But 
but the idea of just linking them together diagnostically that was that was the that was the moment where you know he would use a point pair like lung five spleen nine i think while well, we were mentioning this earlier which is you just said that the favorite point pair so you know get tie in chi dynamic going in the right direction and he had a very difficult psoriasis case that we were seeing in beijing mm-hmm. and that was the only point pair he used i think every once in a while he might he might have done uh, a point downstream like a she cleft point on the area that had the worst psoriasis, you know, mm-hmm. but basically mm-hmm. his lead point pair over and over for months and it just slowly faded out was lung five spleen nine. And it mm-hmm. was that idea then that it's not just a lung function, you know, lung associated with the skin, right? We know that from basic Chinese medicine, but then thinking in a bigger picture of, of, of lung and spleen together, regulating fluids and getting healthy fluids back into the nooks and crannies of the flesh because the dying mm-hmm. is opening into the spaces like, that just grew upon me in the presence of watching these cases like that. And of course, mm-hmm. then, he, then he would be saying it in lectures and I would ask him questions. But it, it, again, none of this is like new. Of course, Taiyin being one system has been there since the Beijing. But somehow it came to life in the presence of patients, I guess. And those weren't my patients. I was just watching him. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I think sometimes maybe people who haven't studied this material aren't we still are struggling how to make people see the connections between like basic TCM education and six channel theory and what Dr. Wong is teaching. Yeah. And I really just encourage people like, don't think of it as a separate system, right? Like it really is more just like, if you can just keep it at the foundation of everything you do, then um, it's what just keeps it. It really is what makes our medicine a holistic medicine and not just, you know, sort of like, prescribed points you know so that's the heart of it isn't yeah yeah um and i guess there is a leap of faith you know because i you know yeah i think about students that have studied with us or have studied with dr wong who are you know then you know like back in their own clinics and having trouble um using it and i think uh you know, like sort of the unique experience that we had was to be able to really watch him day to day and just see it work. Um, So there is that leap of faith where it's kind of like, wow, am I really going to treat this difficult psoriasis case with just lung five, spleen nine? And um, I don't know, right? Like, especially as a new person, you want to do more. No herbs. herbs. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And to just trust that the, like if you're choosing the points well, like trusting that they will do what they know how, how to do or what to do. And of course, at the same time, being willing to completely reevaluate if they're not. <laughs> yeah. But maybe the reevaluate, <laughs> but again, the tools that the, the tools of thinking in the six channels and palpation help you reevaluate when you're wrong, of course, too, which yeah. of course happens. Of course happens. And yeah. it's much more clear that way because then it's like, oh, like, like this case that I, I brought up, you know, just like, oh, it's not like I can't do the tie-in yet. She's not responding, right? So yeah. I have to change gears. And the more clear we can keep it, then, um, uh, you know, we're, we're the more clear our diagnosis, the more clear the treatments, even when it goes wrong. Basically. Yeah, and, and what you just said, you can't treat tie-in yet. So this idea that you have the same chief complaint of this digestive complaint and for mm-hmm. a series of treatments, you tried Tai Yin, and you still had the same chief complaint, but you switched to Yang Ming, 
while then knowing that later on you're eventually going to go back to Tayin. You just started in the wrong place. You saw it from the wrong <laughs> angle at first. But that idea of not yet is really important. That like it's in stages, mm-hmm. it's feeling layers. And so you just have to, you still have the same chief complaint and your diagnosis actually changes over time as the person's mm-hmm. physiology shifts. Yeah. So that's also part of the really fun part about doing this is you really have a chance to think like a detective and, and figure yeah. these cases out. It is fun, right? Because then day to day, like you just, yeah, it keeps the mind really active. Well, on the, um, on the theme of fun, uh, time uh-huh. flies when you're having it. And uh, we've now crossed, uh, as I'm being trying to be pretty strict on timing on these podcasts, so as not to overindulge people who are listening's time. We will pause here for this uh, episode. Uh, but then the exciting thing is we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some actual cases we've had recently in our next installment where I will be talking to Nisa. So Nisa, thank you so much for taking time. And in the honor of uh, having you back to your clinic in time, we'll stop this lecture and we'll see everyone next time. Thank you very much.